All right, so let's talk a little bit about the markets here. Welcome to Bull Bear Radio. Market pricing is nuts. Each week, we catch up with WBI's experts, Matt and Don Schreiber. Down 77%. You know what you need to recover from that? A miracle. WBI brings you wealth building market insights. Driver and this is Bull Bear Radio. We're bringing uh, fun to finance here. Uh, you know, always talking about the markets, the economy. You know, the stocks that rock. I, I, you know, all that kind of good stuff. Don Schreiber's here with me. So, uh, Don, what's shaking? Professor Matt, we're having a market melt up. It's really cool. Well, you know, we had a market meltdown in the fourth quarter, and then yeah, we've we've had quite the quite the rebound. Not back to the high levels of. Uh, you know, last September, but we're getting pretty close. Yeah, we're getting close, man. I'll tell you what, you know, it's when the Fed stomps on the gas pedal by, uh, you know, getting very supportive for the economy, that's a good thing. And you don't fight the Fed. And, you know, uh, President Trump and his administration is trying to do the same thing. Uh, we've got uh, still got positive movement on trade with China. I mean, you know, like, yeah, come on. Yeah. And, you know, people are getting excited. Front page of Monday's Wall Street Journal. Investors rush to buy up stocks. Rush, rush, <laughs> rush to buy up stock. So I don't know. You know, I think people are still, um, you know, cautiously optimistic here that stocks are are doing well and they'd like to participate in the returns. And clearly they have a, uh, you know, a bias to buy high. You know, after the market's gone up, they buy high and they sell low. Uh, that's what investors do. But uh, hey, check this out. Nine out of 10 of the previous times since 1950, right? Nine out of 10 times since 1950, when the market is up more than 10% in Q1, the market finishes in double digits for the year. Now, you know, the exception to this historical rule, we'll call it, is 1987, by the way. So a very eventful year. So investors are getting a little, uh, you know, antsy, want some of that return. Uh, just remember Q4, folks. Whatever. Chase that return, man. Uh, Gotta have it. So FOMO, fear of missing out. When uh, the S&P rose by more than 10% in the first quarter, uh, most years that's followed by a, a soft Q2. Um, 1930 was probably the softest of them. Q1 was up 17.2%, and uh, 1930 Q2 was down 18.6, so gave the gains right back up. 1936 up 11, down about half, half a percentage point in Q2. 1943 up 18, up 7 the next quarter. 1961, so here comes that 1950 range, right? That well, we that, were just talking, 9 it, out know, of 10. They had, a, they had a happy day show about the 1950s and 60s, man. Right, right. Happy so, days. So 1960, up 12% in Q1, down about a percentage point in Q2. 67, up 12, kind of flattish, up a half a percentage point in 67 in Q2. 1975, now, if I could pick one, I'm picking 1975, baby, because 1975, Q1 was up 21.6%. Q2, 14.2. You take that? I'll take oh. that. That's a 40, man. I'll take that. 76, 14, and 1.5. Uh, 86, 13, and 5% in Q2. I'll take that one, too. 1987, up 20, uh, 0.5%. 
Q2 was up 4.2. I guess the second half of the year was a doozy in 87. Well, October didn't look too good. You had, you know, a uh, Black Friday, Black Monday. The market was down over 30% in two days. 30% down people lost their minds. Now, here's here's 1991. So we're getting a little bit uh, closer here. 13.6 down 1.1 in Q2 in 1991. Now, 1998. Now, now we're getting close here to kind of where we're at. You know, we're getting close to all time market highs. Growth stocks have been outperforming over the last few years. Well, you know, this 1998. Hang on a second. Yeah. This 1998 is a really uh, good uh, comparative uh, point for where we are right now. You know, the Fed was raising rates going into 1998 big mm -hmm. time. You know, they had a rate hike cycle. I believe it was about nine rate hikes. So far in this cycle, you know, the Fed has raised rates eight times. Now, this rate cycle hike was big. We've talked about it because in order of magnitude, based on the big, low big. starting point, it's been a really massive rate increase. hike cycle, yep. which people aren't putting into the calculus. You know, they continue to miss the point that we went from zero to, you know, two and a half percent, which is a unbelievable a uh, 500% increase in interest rates, you know. And what you got to do is you got to take that into account. So here we are in 1998, and Alan Greenspan turns around, flip-flops on the rate hike program mm -hmm. because the economy's starting to slow a little bit, right? Markets start to give up some of their gains. He doesn't want to see that happen, and he gets, you know, he starts cutting rates. Now, the Fed to now... They flip-flopped as hard as you can flip-flop. I mean, they, they basically did one of those belly flops, you know, off the high dive, and it left the mark. I mean, that's mm -hmm. how hard they flopped. Yep. In terms of uh, going from, you know, tightening to uh, a very, very accommodation dovish, if you will. And everybody's talking about the next move in the near term, like maybe in the next couple of months. Right. Or, you know, yeah, certainly this year calling for a cut is is, you know, let's get a cut going. Yep. So this is really a pretty direct parallel to 1998, you know, and the Fed at the time when they started cutting interest rates, the market took off like crazy. That's when Alan Greenspan, you know, was doubling down on his comment about irrational exuberance. I think he talked about irrational exuberance first in 1996. But by 1998 and then 1999, the markets were insane in terms of the melt-up that they had. Yeah. 13.5 uh, in Q1 and 2.9% in Q2. Now, 2012, right? Wacky years here in, in 2012, 2011, 2012, 2013. But 2012 up 12%, down 3.3 in Q2. And then 13 up 10% in Q1. Q2 is up 2.4%. So anyway, generally speaking, history is a guide. Softer Q2 doesn't mean it couldn't be really good, but just trying to manage expectations fear for all the for, for, for all those investments investors rushing into stocks here right q2 is usually pretty soft q3 historically speaking also soft you know you have september october which isn't good so really you have to look to q4 for um you know a, a strong finish here great start to the year but obviously uh you know we'll see how the year transpires here you know we, we probably uh you know we, we're expecting um q1 earnings uh, analyst estimates are for earnings to be negative for the quarter. Now, we're coming off of last year where we had magnificent earnings, 20% average 
quarter over prior year quarter growth rate in earnings. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the comparisons get tougher as you climb that mountain because last year's, you know, high first quarter growth rate is going to be tough to beat, um, you know, uh, this year. But we're expecting an earnings slowdown, uh, you know, at least one quarter of negative earnings. Now, I'm hopeful that, you know, analysts are typically wrong uh, by a margin of about 30%. We talked about it before. And if they're, uh, you know, they're predicting, you know, maybe down negative two or something like that. If they're off by 30%, we actually might be able to get away with a positive number. Oh, that'd be great. That'd be better than expected. And it would support the market consensus of moving higher. Let's also talk about, uh, you know, the trade deal that continues to uh, look like it's uh, got a good, strong possibility of happening. You know, if we get a trade deal somewhere in the midst of earnings season, you know, do people really care? And with the Fed, right, uh, you know, has the backstop in to put, will people care about this uh, one quarter? Because, you know, uh, where everyone was looking at a really negative and soft 2019, it's starting to look like we could have possibly a resurgence of growth. Right. You know, after a soft quarter in Q1, well, well, China we might had some manufacturing we might get numbers something. and such, industrial uh, figures that were pretty good recently. Yeah, I think, I mean, I really think the data trend is negative uh, myself. Uh, I think it would be uh, miraculous if we get, you know, better than expected, uh, you know, Q1 numbers. If we do, you know, the market's got a lot of support yeah, well, check from the, all angles. Check this out. The Atlanta Fed, you know, GDP Now tracker estimates first quarter growth to be 1.7%, up from an outlook of nearly 0.2% in mid-March. So it looks like maybe Q1 could be a little stronger than the experts think. You bet. So, they're, you know, everybody's got the, uh, you know, uh, most economists are saying that GDP growth for uh, 2019 is going to be soft. It's going to be around two. Some have it a little bit below two. Yep. You know, the, the uh, uh, President Trump and his administration are, are calling for still a three. They would be right if we get a resurgence in growth, you know, in, um, you know, the next three Later quarters. Later year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, sure. you know, we'll see. I, don't, I think they're a little bit uh, overly positive. Um, but, you know, I think there could be someplace between you know, sub two and uh, three that we land, which wouldn't be terrible. Sure. And, and now money in the fourth quarter flooded into bonds. You know, yields are down uh, because money went into bonds, presumably. Could some of that money that went into bonds that parked itself there come out and go back into stocks? Sure. You know how to flight to quality, right? Yields on bonds relatively low. Uh, except for high yields. And so some of the money could find where that was just looking for a safe haven, you know, flight to quality would come back into equities once the uh, risk starts to abate in people's minds. But, you know, there's some risks. I wanted to, there was a really great uh, piece that uh, Bloomberg had out this morning from Morgan Stanley and um, just really interesting. They're talking about, you know, um, the difference uh, mostly in Europe uh, this is coming out of uh, quantitative analysts at Morgan Stanley in Europe. I think it applies to the U.S. I think it's uh, uh, a pretty good article. High yield dividend factor valuations are near historic lows. That's the lead, right? Mm-hmm. Right now, in this environment, because we've had such a strong recovery uh, from the um, fourth quarter, you know, um, swan song that the market basically, you know, 
went off the high dive and went down about 20% there in the fourth quarter. Um, it, there's been a rush um, to quality stocks right. that have really strong fundamentals and still have growth, right? Right. There has been a little bit less support in the pure growth plays, the tech plays, uh, growth and momentum plays, but they're all pretty highly valued. The quality valuations, according to this article, are in the 99th percentile. They don't get any higher than that. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're at maximum valuation on these quality stocks that have good growth trends. Right. And good fundamentals. Yep. It's the highest that it's been in the past 30 years. And guess what? High-yielding, dividend-paying stocks remain stuck in the 10th percentile, meaning that they're, they cannot buy any positive Can't price momentum. Yeah. Well, check this out, right? This is in simple terms. So the trailing P.E. for the S&P 500 is 21, right? The trailing 12-month P.E., the dividend yields 1.96. You take the Dow, though. As a as a on, on the flip side here, which are older, more mature companies, more value oriented, mostly right, seventeen point nine four on a trailing twelve month PE and a dividend yield of two point two four. So you, it's a, just the tale of two indexes. So what Morgan Stanley's saying, just if we look at two of the biggest, baddest indexes in the world that everybody knows. S&P 500's got some more of those technology stocks in there and communication services. Uh, more of the quality flair probably too. Much higher PE multiple. Lower dividend yield. So what uh, Morgan Stanley is saying is, you know, um, when you've got stocks that are fully valued or a little bit overvalued and you've got other stocks that have a lot of cash flow, you know, dividend cash flow, and very, very low valuations – that it's like gravity. There's going to be a rotation from the more overvalued stuff, especially if growth slows. So in Q1, we're right. going to see growth slow down. Right. Right? So those growth stocks aren't going to look as good, but those dividend stocks you might really look in great. The, in the market uh, the last uh, week or so, value on a lot of the days has outperformed growth. So it does seem like there's some money flooding from, and, and the yields are so high, They furthermore, they said, the yields are so high on some of these dividend-paying stocks, it, it's a proxy for bonds. Plus, you get the upside kicker is what they're saying because, again, you're, they're, they're ultra cheap. So, you know, just to, to finish my thread on the yields, on the 10-year in November, it was, um, you know, 3.23%. Right now, you're t looking at a... A yield on the uh, the ten year treasury of uh, two point four percent. So if the money comes out, it's obviously a lot of money that flooded the quality. If it comes out and goes into these dividend paying stocks, you know that could be a, a huge boon for for dividend payers. So one, let's take one, one of the one of the uh, key sectors that they call out in this article, which you just you couldn't buy a bid for these stocks are financials. Right. You know when you when you are looking for higher dividend yields with you know really good fundamentals. You're going to find a lot of that in the financials, especially in the, you know, the banking sector. And it, you just can't. And that has not done well. It hasn't done well for five years, but maybe the worm is going to turn. Well, and, and let's talk about that in, in two seconds, because I do have Q1 sector performance, which which further, you know, validates a little bit of this hypothesis. And so we'll be back in just a moment. At WBI, our goals are simple. We build outcome-oriented investment solutions to reduce loss and maximize return. We want to grow the largest capital base possible so you can achieve your goals. 
Call us today at 800-772-5810 to find out how we can help you and your clients be successful. And we're back. So, uh, yeah, uh, you know, we're up for social media leader of the year. Uh, you know, pick up the podcast anywhere you can, you know, listen to podcasts. We'd love for you to listen, continue to listen, pass it on to your friends, uh, subscribe on, uh, iTunes and, uh, Google play, uh, check us out on Twitter. Um, you know, WBI president, WBI CEO, so on and so forth. So anyway, back to the show here, right? So Don, you were saying that financials, man, not, it, it can't, can't really, uh, not moving much higher. Q1, they were only up 7.9%, right? And market was up uh, S&P 500, 13.1%. So underperformance, healthcare up six, almost eight on financials, nine on materials, nine on utilities, 11 on consumer staples, 13.6 on communication services. The outperformers were consumer discretionary 15, energy 15, industrial 16, 16 on the real estate, and technology at 19. So, you know, um, that technology keeps uh, showing up at the top of the leaderboard. Top of the leaderboard. So, but you know, you know, the area that uh, is supposed to have absolutely the best earnings growth this year, 2019, energy. Sure. That's, that's another area that hasn't really been able to buy a strong bid higher in terms of prices for energy stocks, but it could really crank this year. Sure. We have energy prices up. The yeah. Back, the, you, know, uh, you know, they've got energy prices in that 55 to 60 range and it's sticking there. Yeah. I mean, financials had a good quarter going. Um, unfortunately, though, when the Fed flip flopped, man, they went from, uh, you know, good returns to bad returns real fast. That's because what you just said is the 10-year was at 3.2. And, you know, most of the big banks still make a lot of their profit margin on interest rate spread. And the, and the lower the interest rates get, the tighter their spreads get. Because sure. they have to pay a reasonable amount of interest. And even money market rates are, you know, somewhere between one and a half and two right. and change, right? So if they're putting money, investing money in treasuries, which is – you know, what they do to back up a lot of their uh, interest rate um, policy, and they're only getting 2.4, and they're paying out two, they don't have much margin. Right. Well, maybe one thing that helps the banks here is uh, interest rates, you know, stabilizing again, a little bit lower. You know, you're talking a a 30-year mortgage now that's around 4%, so that might help loan originations uh, to, to rise again, um, which was a big piece of what had helped financials. The consumer kept spending. Um, we're, we're coming into prime time, you know, sell your house season. So yeah, 40% well, of sales, home sales, happen between March and June. And the Northeast is coming out of a really soggy mess. So is the Midwest, you know. So, um, you know. Well, you know, housing is starting to, uh, you know, perk again. We got, you know, um, you know, building permits and, you know, new house construction yep. starting to bump again because, you know, mortgage interest rates just got a lot better for people. Yeah. And a lower mortgage interest rates allows them to buy more house price. Sure. Bigger house. Right. A little bit higher price. And it's the same payment. Yeah. Buyers are also finding a deal in 73 days. They found a place. They're closing on a place in 73 days. It's a six year low at the moment. There's not as many bidding wars, but uh, there are a lot of people are finding a place and buying it pretty darn quick. Cool. 
So I, that's good. That's good that for the be, economy. Good could, for the economy. Good for the economy. That could good be a surprise banks. for the first quarter. Maybe the second quarter, it'll really be a surprise and, because you know housing is a big piece of the economy. It's like 15, 16, 17 percent of the economy. Right. Could help the industrials, you know, materials and all the things. If people buy houses, they fix them up. So yeah, um, maybe Lowe's it, and Home Depot will be you know on a hot street. Sure, sure. So that that I I was kind of reading into this. It's like connect the dots, right? So much about the economy here in the United States and across the world is connected dots. What's going to happen? That's you and I were talking. Uh, Muhammad El Alarian was on, uh, you know, CNBC the other day. We wanted to hear him because he's one of the best dudes at connecting all of the dots. He's good economist, man. You know, so smart um, guy. It just seems like there's some things happening here that people aren't connecting the dots on. And maybe the growth figures, like we're saying, are going to be a little bit better than the experts think. Maybe it's not all doom and gloom here. I got to tell you, one of the things that's, you know, really positive, I think, for the economy and the markets, because consumer sentiment determines on how much people, you know, spend and consumer spending you know, since 70 percent of the economy, the, since the end of the fourth quarter has been getting soft January, February, you know, consumer spending's a little softer. The trend is less positive than it was. But you know what's going to help? You, you know, we're starting to remove the impediments to having really positive sentiment again. We got the Fed supporting us. Yep. Right. And in the economy. Yep. We've got, um, you know, uh, the, the president. And some of the political harangue that's been overhanging, uh, you know, the presidency and preventing, you know, so much of this negative commentary or, you know, causing so much of the negative commentary yep. that's starting to abate a little bit. I think the tone of Brexit, right, is that I honestly think they're going to kick this can down the road or they're going to stay in the European Union. I don't think we're going to end up with a hard Brexit, which would be like committing economic suicide for Great Britain. Right. Um, and I just don't think that they're going to fall on a knife, you know, uh, voluntarily. Right. I think that this is going to start to, uh, again, uh, look like that's going to get resolved. And we got this trade deal with China. All of a sudden, all of the things that people worry about that might cause them to think that, you know, the future doesn't look as bright are going to go away. Right, right. And uh, at the same time, right, Stock prices have risen. People have recouped their Q4 losses. So are you really you spent a lot of money probably for the holiday season? It slowed a little bit in December. That's because obviously we were in the midst of, you know, a big correction, big time correction. Do you want to spend a lot of money after you spent money? Your stock portfolio is down. You're feeling bad about things. Probably not. So now that stocks have risen, we're going to get through tax season here, too. Right. It's a new tax environment. So people are holding on to the pennies because well, they that, may have had to cough up more this tax yeah, season. Yeah, that's an overhang. I think that you know people are going to get less back than what they're used to. And uh, there's certainly some people that are going to pay more taxes than they have before. And so, you know, some of the cons uh, extra spending, some of the positive potential right. spending that you have, I believe, is going to be constrained. The key is if the it, if the consumer doesn't check out, which drives 70 percent of the economy and just hangs in there. Yep. Right. Doesn't consumer spending doesn't decline. This is starting to look a lot more positive than it did, you know, a month ago. It, it, it We're starting to see some of the clouds part. Yeah. So anyway, there's there's a little light on the horizon we see here. Mm hmm. We're positive at the moment, cautiously optimistic for the future. Don't fight the Fed. You know, and don't fight the Fed seems to be in, in full effect again. 
And hey, look, this was, we didn't even have earnings seasons around the corner, like we said. Another earnings season. Luckily, we're not talking about it at the moment, which is great. <laughs> but what we're seeing is maybe it won't be as bad as the experts think, too, if maybe it's a little bit better than people think. Well, it could be a little bit better, but even if it's what the expert thinks, as long as it's not more negative, number right. one. And number two, I think because of the positive, you know, geopolitical environment, the positive, you know, uh, central banks all around the world just yep. just went from tightening to, you know, uh, either pausing or easing. Right. right? So uh, I think that those things are going to help sentiment. And I don't see people really getting so even, too upset about the the earnings. Well, they didn't in in uh, late fourteen and fifteen and and early sixteen. It was about a thirty percent uh, drop off in fifteen through uh, the second half of sixteen, and the markets went higher anyway. Charged higher. Why? Because the Fed was accommodative. So market could melt up here. Don't fight the Fed. Spring spring is sprung. And the market not, might spring it, too. We may not see, you know, gigantic uh, performance numbers, and there will be volatility. Now, the only thing I'd say, right, Q2 is generally speaking, after such a, a, a Q1, a little soft. And I want investors to remember this Dalbar, you know, recently released that investors last year lost 9.42% on average. And typically, over any trailing annualized period, Investors, when they chase returns and don't stay on plan, end up underperforming the market by two to four percent per year annualized. Yeah, and while we're painting a pretty positive picture, you know, wheels can fall off the markets and the economy for whatever reason at any time. Recessions and market corrections happen on something unexpected that changed the entire dialogue. That can happen at any moment. Well, you have it down 10 every single year on average. So that's what we're saying. Here. We've had we've had a lot less volatility historically over the last 10 years than on average. You know, volatility is starting to increase. I wouldn't be surprised if we get, you know, over the next year or two as things sort themselves out. A couple of big blow-offs. Yeah, we're going to get some, you know, downside like we did in the fourth quarter. And it's going to be scary. And you don't want to participate fully in any big downside. Taking small losses is the key to investing success. And that's uh, number 66. You heard it here. Uh, we'll see you next week. This is Bull Bear Radio, where each week you can count on our real market news and advice. Catch all of our podcast episodes at WBIinvestments.com. Past performance does not guarantee future results. The views presented are those of the podcast participants and should not be construed as investment advice. Podcast participants or clients of WBI may own stocks discussed in this recording. All economic and performance information is historical and not indicative of future results. This is not an offer to buy or sell any security. No security or strategy, including those referred to directly or indirectly, is suitable for all accounts or profitable all of the time. And there is always the possibility of loss. You should not assume that any discussion or information provided here serves as a substitute for personalized investment advice from WBI or any other investment professional. If you have questions regarding the applicability of specific issues discussed to your individual situation, please consult with WBI or your chosen professional advisor. This information is compiled from sources believed to be reliable. Accuracy cannot be guaranteed. WBI's advisory operations, services, and fees are in the form ADV available upon request. You are not permitted to publish, transmit, or otherwise reproduce this information in whole or in part in any format to any third party without the express written consent of WBI Investments Bank.
Although a company may pay a dividend, prices of equity securities, including those that pay dividends, fluctuate. Investing on the basis of dividends alone may cause an investor to buy or sell certain securities when circumstances may or may not be favorable.